Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh, and I am joined by my friend, my co-host, Alex. How are you? That was a weird intro, but I'm going to go. It was a weird intro. It was a weird one. Anyway, I'm doing well. Um, you know, f- fun week after a nice Giants win and excited um, to, you know, looking forward to this Vikings game. Had Justin Pennick on from Talking Giants. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be on in a few minutes, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a really great week, and uh, you know, victory Monday, victory week never gets old. Yeah. We're going to let you enjoy the interview with Justin Pennick as the vast majority of this podcast was a quick intro. And I am very much putting the words quick in bold. We're going to run through this right now. Uh, first of all, the giants cut linebacker take Crowder this week to make room for the active signing or for the signing of now the active rostered Landon Collins, uh, Jalen Smith and Micah McFadden. Now the- <coughs> Now the only two linebackers on the current roster, excuse me, um, Tay Crowder, although was brought back to the Giants practice squad um, earlier today when recording this Thursday night, we talk more about all of that stuff with Justin in the interview. Kayvon Thibodeau was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week with his 12 tackles, three tackles for loss, and that touchdown he had against the Washington Commanders on primetime. Two New York Giants were voted into the Pro Bowl, Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence. However, no Andrew Thomas or Graham Gano. They were robbed. They were put on the like reserves list or whatever. Um, alternates, yeah. Alternates list or whatever uh, for the Pro Bowl. Although it's a flag football game, no one cares about the Pro Bowl really. There was a good story of one of the special teamers that went undrafted for Washington. Uh, you got a little teary-eyed and emotional with that video. Besides that, there wasn't any sort of you know, things like that for the Giants. So that was the only thing that I liked when it came to the Pro Bowl votes. Adoree Jackson, he has not practiced this week, and that means a return will not be happening against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Same exact deal for Xavier McKinney. Also will not play in this game against the Vikings. Um, Both of these guys. (laughs) Big losses, big deals, especially with the uh, wide receivers that, again, we talked about in the interview with Justin. Justin Jefferson, the best debatable best wide receiver in the NFL, alongside Adam Thielen. And they also have the guy that you have as your player of the week that I freaking forgot his name that I can't think of My right pl- now. Player of the week? What yeah, are you talking your, about? Your player uh, to watch for the Vikings. That I had uh, Osborne, KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne, thank you very much, who's been rising onto the scene as the weeks have progressed for the Vikings, the third wide receiver there. Um, is also on the team. But anyway, that is that is big stuff there, not having a Dory Jackson playing one-on-one with Justin Jefferson. So Yeah. We we the reason we're going through this all so quickly is that we touched on most of it with Justin. Um so obviously stay tuned for that and you can hear his opinion, not just our uh, opinions cuz who cares what we have to say. And uh, I, I know it's called the Giants versus Vikings preview this week. Uh this is really just a discussion with him, but it's really a great one and I'm still teasing and we still haven't done the picks yet. Yep. All right, uh, let's do our picks for this week. We both went 11-4 and four last week. Um, and right now, as we're recording this, the Jags and the Jets are playing. I'm going with the Jags. Josh is going with the Jets. 
Um, Falcons, Ravens, uh, we both have the Ravens. Lions, Panthers, we both have the Lions. Chiefs, Seahawks, we both have the Chiefs. Browns, Saints, we both have the Browns. Texans, Titans, we both have the Titans. Bengals, Patriots, we both have the Patriots. Uh, Bengals, excuse me, not the Patriots. Uh, Bills, Bears, we both have the Bills. I'll send it to Josh for the 4 o'clock window. 4 o'clock window starts out with a great matchup. Commanders versus 49ers. We both have the 49ers winning that one. Um, and the Commanders continuing with their losing streak. This is a good one. Eagles-Cowboys, the NFC East matchup. Alex has the Eagles. I have the Dallas Cowboys. No Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Right. No Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Gardner Minshew taking the start under center. Raiders versus Steelers. Uh, Next game up, we both have the Raiders winning that one. Dolphins versus Packers. I think that's going to be a very one-sided matchup. We'll see. Rams versus Broncos. Alex has the Rams. I have the Broncos. Um, I think I said that we both went Dolphins, right, for that Packers-Dolphins game? I think so. Whatever. Buccaneers versus Cardinals. We both have the Bucs. And the final game of the week, Monday Night Football. Chargers, Colts, the Battle of the Seas. We both have the Chargers winning that game. And with that being said, I did not do it at the end of the podcast. So I'm going to do it now. I'm going to plug it up. Go to shippingstudios.com slash giant take. Alex on Twitter at anorin23. I'm on Twitter at joshua29. Follow us on the various social media platforms like TikTok and Twitter at the giant take pod, Instagram and Facebook, the giant take podcast. Um, check out the podcast notes um, for all of the plugs there. And without further ado, enjoy, sit back, relax, and um, really great interview coming up after this interlude music with our friend, Giant Take Hall of Famer, Justin Pennick. We are back now with a very special guest. He hasn't come on the podcast in a while, but we are happy and we are lucky to have the Giant Take Hall of Famer back <laughs> again with us, Justin Pennick of Talking Giants. How you doing, my man? Fellas, I tell you this all the time. The two of you are some of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, I, we were talking, you know, obviously before the show, like we always do, we always talk for 45 minutes before we can record. Uh, you guys are finding some awesome success and I'm very, very proud of you guys. Um, you know, even you're, you're doing, you're doing all this too in a very, very interesting time in your life that you have to be working hard. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to college, you're prepping for that. So love to be here. Happy to be here. Love you guys. Let's, uh, let's talk giants. Yeah, let's talk Giants. I mean, it, it's been a crazy season. We haven't had you on this season, actually. Um, it might have been better if we had you on during when we were 6-1 and one or something like that. <laughs> we would have been even more upbeat. Um, but it's still looking pretty good. A uh, big win against the Commanders. Um, and we're looking forward now. We just need, who knows, the Giants could end up clinching the playoffs this weekend if they beat the Vikings uh, and you know a couple other things. I believe it's either a Washington loss and a Seahawks loss or a Washington loss and a Detroit loss. Uh, something along those lines, uh, which is very possible considering the Lions, I believe, are playing. Who are the Lions playing? I know the Commanders are playing the 49ers, and I think the Lions are playing really. Oh, no, it's the Seahawks who are playing the Chiefs, so that's a tough game. So theoretically, if the Giants win uh, this weekend, they could end up making the playoffs for the first time since 2016, and 
it's been a long road. Uh, I'm sure, as you know, covering the team for years now, and obviously for us covering the team for a couple of years now, it's uh, it's been tough. But how does it feel that the Giants are finally a winning football team? Dude, I mean, we would have all these seasons where we get to December and we're just saying, I want it to be over. Uh, uncle, like, uh, please just, just get us to the end of the season. And the main thing that we would be saying to ourselves, at least this is what I would be saying to myself over the course of a football season, because a football season is so short. Like, think of how long an NHL season thing is. Think of how long an NBA season is. Think of how long an MLB season is. You know, in all those sports, you know, hockey and basketball, you get, you know, 80, some 80 opportunities to watch your favorite team play. Baseball, you get 162. I mean, we, as football fans, have an opportunity to watch our teams play. You know, it used to be 16 times. Now it's 17 times. We have 17 times where it really matters that we get to watch our team play every single year. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of times. So the fact that it's not only December, but it's late December and even, you know, that January 1st game and that January 8th game against the Eagles, you know, if, if things aren't kind of sealed up by then, you know, even those games will be important. So we're not only talking about the Giants are playing important December football games, and we're talking about how the Giants are playing important January games, and hopefully playoffs are on the horizon too. You would like to think that, you know, if they get one more win, um, either this week against the Vikings or, you know, January 1st against the Colts, uh, if they basically get one win, even if they're not mathematically all short away, that if you get one more win, the Giants are going to make the playoffs. So it's just so, it's so fun as a fan, and then especially as somebody who, you know, talks about the Giants, you know, for, for a living. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly been good. Uh, business has been booming as, as some might, as some might say. So, but really just as a, uh, the, the, the culture at MetLife as a fan, you know, has been super, super awesome. Our tailgates have been awesome too. So, um, I love when the Giants win and I hate when they lose. That, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing way to put it. I think that kind of sums up everyone's opinion on, you know, if you're listening to this podcast or if you're the three of us here, I think it's a, it's a great summary right there all in itself. Um, I mean, I was going to, I was going to say, do I wait until the end to bring this up again? I know we already transitioned into it, but I, I would also like to say again, Justin, I mean, from what you, you said earlier, um, you have whatever we're at episode 214 now. I mean, you really helped get us to this point from the beginning when we had you on, on like our episode freaking four. Um, and, and you spent countless minutes to freaking hours, goddamn days probably at this point that it's added up to, you know, not recording this podcast, uh, but just literally sitting on the phone with us or just sitting in a Zencast or after or before we recorded. Um, and I, I really don't think I say this enough to you. Um, I really, really, from the bottom of my heart, like I'm going to start tearing up here. I really, really do like appreciate. Don't you cry, please. And all Don't you've cry. done for us. I'm <laughs> like, I mean, you were on our episode 100, and there was no other person that I know should have been there for that. Um, but I, I really don't think I like say this enough. Like you have really gotten us to this point of like being this far into it and still grinding. Like we could have stopped this and been like, you know what, our junior year. You know, COVID's happening. School's on Zoom. Yeah. This freaking sucks. I don't want to record a podcast anymore. We started this our freshman year when COVID started. And now this is like hitting hard. And But no, Justin's telling us to get this and do that or try and change this differently, make this better. So I, I really, I really do thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, now I'm about to cry. I know. I'm about to cry. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Well, now... <laughs> 
Open the letter from Syracuse. Open the letter from Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we are recording this. I, I got my my early decision back from from my uh, quote unquote dream school. No freaking way I'm opening this up right now. No. Um, but you know I will definitely message the both of you um, simultaneously whenever I do open it, good or bad, but whatever. Um, but let's go back to the Giants now before I break down here. Um, <laughs> I, wanted to go to, I wanted to go to Tay Crowder. Let's, what, a, what a transition. Let's go to Tay wow. Crowder now. Yeah. Uh, the Giants linebacker who was recently cut by the team. Um, I just wanted to ask you about – And you brought were, back on the practice squad. And brought back in the practice yes. squad this morning when we're recording on Thursday. Um, I wanted to ask you because you and Bobby in your mailbag episode addressed the situation and yeah. – get your thoughts on kind of just what is going on with the Giants coaching staff in the way that you think they address these shenanigans happening behind the scenes, whether it was Kadarius Tony, because as we know, as what Kadarius Tony says to everyone out there on social media, I was healthy. Uh, I was going to practice, um, you know, when he got traded and now this deal with Tay Crowder, uh, I want to say in the beginning of December when he was a healthy scratch, Free me. He got freed, but he's brought yeah, back he got now. Freed, all right. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to know um, with this new coaching staff now, this new general manager, how do you think this New York Giants team uh, handles these like deals? Dude, dude, I I don't know because you know, and we we what we kind of did in that mailbag is you know we gave a little dig to some of our reporters because we don't know what's going on in the building. Like it would be helpful to get some reporting and some stories and a little bit of insight on how the coaches are dealing with guys like Tay Crowder and Rodarius Williams. Those are two guys like, you know, forget Kadarius Tony here for a second because Kadarius Tony, obviously when he is, when he was on the team, that was a much different situation than where you're talking about Tay Crowder and Rodarius Williams, both like day three picks uh, of the Giants. I understand a previous regime, but still day three picks and depth players maybe at best, right? Even though Tate Crowder was a starter, I think Tate Crowder in a optimal situation is just a depth player at best. But the Tate Crowder situation is interesting because, yeah, you can just look at it and be like, oh, well, Tate Crowder sucks and he doesn't matter, so get him off the team. There's more to that because the interior linebacker position is the weakest position on the team. You can say that wide receiver is more of a need. You can say that interior offensive line is more of a need, but the weakest position on the team is interior linebacker. And specifically the giants just do not have a Mike linebacker that can flow sideline to sideline, really take care of their responsibilities, whether that is in coverage or whether that is, um, you know, especially in the run game where the giants have struggled. I think, I think Tay Crowder is a better Mike linebacker than Jalen Smith and Bobby Skinner also agrees with me there. So it was just very curious to see how the giants went about the whole Tay Crowder situation, because at least in my opinion, it's a, a smart film guy like Bobby Skinner from what he was seeing, and I think some other people as well, that they agreed that Tay Crowder was better than Jalen Smith. And it kind of just, it seems like Tay Crowder was on the way out anyway. Then that free me tweet comes out and it ultimately led to a couple weeks uh, later, it led to a release. So it's one of those things of how does the coaching staff and also how does the front office kind of deal with stuff like this? And as of right now, we've seen a very heavy trend of, uh, Logan Ryan, they clearly didn't want to work with him. 
and there was no financial benefit to release Logan Ryan. They cut him anyway. They cut him. And then there was even like a little bit of a lawsuit that followed from cutting Logan Ryan because he got, you know, mad at the Giants, whatever. There was no financial benefit of cutting Logan Ryan. They clearly didn't want to work with him. Out the door, out the building. Blake Martinez, we heard from, you know, some people because, again, our reporters didn't do any reporting on the whole Blake Martinez situation and why the Giants cut him and why he left and why it was quote-unquote mutual. But we kind of did some digging ourselves, and we heard that the coaching staff started to give Blake Martinez the cold shoulder over the summer. Uh, they didn't want to work with him. Boom, he's cut. How helpful would Blake Martinez would be right now? He did retire, but again, another situation where we don't know the context and we don't know the full story. Kadarius Tony, we don't fully know the full story there as well. Obviously, he doesn't. I don't think he likes football. I don't think Kadarius Tony likes football. Boom, they trade him. He's out the door. Firmer's former first round talent. Glad they got that draft pick back. But still, uh, the whole reason why I'm bringing everybody up is there seems to be a common trend that if this regime doesn't want to work with you, especially if you're not a Joe Shane signee or draft pick, if they don't want to work with you, you're kind of out the door. And I think that more importantly than Tay Crowder being cut as a loss to the interior linebacker room, I think it's important to analyze the Tay Crowder cut and then also sign back to the practice squad. But I think it's more important to view it from how does this new regime deal with players that they are going to disagree with. Because eventually, guys, there is going to be somebody that the Giants are going to have a disagreement with that is a Joe Shane pick, that is a Brian Dable guy. It's going to happen eventually. How are they going to deal with that? Yeah, and it could be a guy who's vitally important to the team, right? It might not just be a guy who's, you know, on the on the premises looking in. Uh, you know, it could be a starter, could be your wide receiver one. It could be Daniel Jones, uh, for all you know, depending right. on how that situation goes. Saquon Barkley, for example. How are they going to deal with that? Um, okay. I have a quick follow-up question. And then Alex, sorry, I'll let you ask your next thing. Um, so you were when you were addressing Jalen Smith, Tay Crowder, what was the word you were using? Mike linebacker? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because you know, the Mike Mike linebackers, you know, you got the strong side, and then basically yep. what Mike what Micah McFadden is this year is your your will linebacker, your weak side. Um, and I think Micah McFadden does an all right job, similar to Tay Crowder's rookie year. Tay Crowder playing next to Blake Martinez's rookie year. I thought was like that was a rookie that we were like, damn, for a Mr. Irrelevant last pick of the NFL draft. Tay Crowder is like a success of a draft pick. And then Blake Martinez tears his ACL uh, the, the next year. And then Tay Crowder stinks. Well, he's not really playing in a spot that I feel like is a strength. And he's also still kind of new to the linebacker spot. I still consider Tay Crowder, by the way, I still consider him a success of a seventh round Mr. Irrelevant draft spot. I understand he wasn't 100%. good. He wasn't really great, um, but I still consider him a success. Yeah. But this Giants team desperately needs a Mike linebacker. Um, that's like, I would say wide receiver one. You can argue that Mike linebacker is the second biggest priority uh, heading into this offseason. Peak of his career, Blake Martinez, 2020 season. How long does it take for the Giants to get a linebacker like that again? Dude, they can. I, I, I gotta stop saying, dude. They can draft one <laughs> in the first round of this year. Depending, I don't know who's out there. You know, don't you know? Don't kill me for saying this. And I and I agree. You know, Bobby says this, and I agree with it. You know, if you're draft, if you're if we're in the back half of the first round, let's just say it's last year's draft, right? Brandon Lloyd, Devin Lloyd, excuse me, Devin Lloyd is on the board. Back end of the first round, I'm taking him from the Giants. 
right? If you were to take last year's draft class and then put it in this year with the draft slot that the Giants are going to have, I'm I'm hoping and praying that De- that a guy like Devin Lloyd falls. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the thing that puzzled me with Tay Crowder is the Giants have been struggling so much in the run game. Uh, you know, defending the run and Tay Crowder's yeah. best attribute is defending the run. And it, I also was, you know, puzzled by the fact he was cut initially. You know, that was a little bit puzzling. But I was kind of surprised they brought him back because if it was some sort of disagreement, why would they even bring him back? Right. And again, that's where the reporting is lacking. Yes. Because yeah, I don't know. We don't know anything. We're in the dark. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're just left to kind of spew and wonder about, well, what exactly did happen? And there, there could have still been a, you know, a, a disagreement and there still could have been a, a difference of opinion on, I feel like it should be playing. Well, we don't think you should be playing. There could have still been that, but take Crowder at the end of the day, just wants a paycheck. And, you know, he cleared waivers. Another team didn't claim him. So then therefore, kind of brought back to the to the practice squad. So there still could be some harsh feelings, but um, I don't know, man. Again, we're left to kind of s- uh, sit here and wonder and speculate. Yeah. I mean, the only report I saw was from Dan Duggan, I think, like talking a little bit about it. But besides that, we've pretty much been in the dark. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan said it was performance-based. I don't believe that. Like, they're all bad. And Tay Crowder, <laughs> seem, Tay Crowder seemed to be just the prettiest pig with the lipstick on. Um, so I don't fully believe it's performance based. And also now, now the Giants only have two active interior linebackers on their roster. I don't really count Carter Coughlin. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, he hasn't. He's bare, he hasn't have any real defense starting defense playing experience. Yeah. That's outside like the preseason. Uh, Cam Brown. Cam Brown. I don't count. Also, those guys are just pure special teamers. Uh, but they did sign Landon Collins to the active fifty three man roster. And he's not a real linebacker either, though. He's not honest. a real linebacker yeah. either. <laughs> I think it's weird too, right? You mentioned Logan Ryan, right? How much could we have used Logan Ryan right now with uh, Xavier McKinney's Huge. injury, right? Huge, yeah. Is he, you know, he's a better player than Jason Pinnock or, you know, who's the other guy that we have? Uh, the other safety, Tony Jefferson. Like, I feel like he could do a job that's better than those guys. And it wasn't because they saved any money or anything like you mentioned. They lost money. They lost money. Exactly. So what was the, like, was he really that much of a locker room diva? That- this is also someone that Joe Judge loved, by the way, too. In his I think time that was the York. issue, though. I think that's exactly around was the, the league, issue. Though. Logan Ryan's respected around the league. It's not like he's just a Joe Judge, like, you know, guy. You know, he's yeah. a he's well-respected, you know, around the league. People yeah. know Logan Ryan. He's not an, he's not an issue. He's a good guy. I don't understand exactly what happened there. I think that's an issue that I think that's even more puzzling than Tay Crowder. And I feel like that almost got swept under the rug uh, more than Tay Crowder or Kadarius Tony, to be honest. That cut happened when anything that because Joe Shane was new, anything that Joe Shane did was the correct move. Yeah, exactly. That's a good move. That's a good move. That's a good move. Um, So. Yeah, man. Well, we'll we'll see how Joe Shane uh, approaches uh, everything. You know, heading into his really his his first full off season, where yeah. he kind of has his staff in place. He obviously has his head coach. He has a full year where he can prepare and prep for an NFL draft. Um, Cap room, <laughs> and and he has a little bit of money to spend this off season with. Obviously, some some big decisions and choices coming with Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, and you know some other guys too. I mean, what I would want to—I I guess we'll transition here to the wide receivers. We've seen what you know, uh, Stefan Diggs did for Josh Allen. We've seen mm-hmm. what Tyree Kill's done for Tua. 
what is it a scenario where the Giants need to go out and you know trade a first round pick here, uh, or you know this year's first rounder, or you know some high draft capital to get a true number one wide receiver? I know some name that I was thinking of. It looks like Tom Brady's not going to be sticking around in Tampa. Could it be a situation where they're trying to blow it all up and Mike Evans or Chris Godwin becomes available? Hypothetically, that type of situation, would you be interested in making that type of move? Or do you think the Giants should still go down the road of drafting and hoping to hit on a wide receiver? Yeah, I would hope they don't go uh, the Mike, like, let's just say hypothetically, like a Mike Evans route, just because, you know, that's a dude that's been around the run of the run of the mill. Um, And I don't know if the Giants are so immediately close to, you know, Mike Evans maybe has uh, two two years left, uh, a really high level play. You know, the Giants roster may not be ready by, you know, next year or, you know, maybe they're ready you know, in two years from now, the really rock and roll. We only got one good year left to Mike Evans. And, uh, you know, so that's just a hypothetical situation. I think, I think really you'd look more like what the Eagles did where they brought in yeah. AJ Brown, who's still young, you know, like that kind of thing. So maybe even Chris Godwin, who's a few yeah, years younger, I, right? I certainly prefer to try. I'm not opposed to trading for an alpha number one wide receiver, but at least right now, guys, I don't think the Giants roster is like where I don't think it's maybe like even where the Bills roster was when they traded for Stefan Diggs. Uh, I, I don't that was so that was made when Brandon Bean was already in there, you know, having a draft class or two. Joe Shane has had one draft class and, you know, there's still a lot of other moves that they need to make. You know, they haven't even had a, you know, an offseason where they were able to spend even a little bit of money to try and get some free agents to supplement the draft class. The Eagles, obviously, the Eagles roster, obviously. Last year, they won a lot of football games, right? They, you know, even with, uh, you know, they had suspect quarterback play out of Jalen Hurts. And now, obviously, you saw you see him taking that step up uh, with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith in, in, in his second year as well. So I don't think the Giants roster is there yet where I feel comfortable making a wide receiver trade where we are sacrificing these draft picks. I would rather, and it all depends on who's available in the draft, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that in the offseason. But I would most certainly rather go down the route of drafting a wide receiver that you really like, that you really believe in, that can be an alpha number one wide receiver in the NFL, um, particularly maybe even in the first round because you have that guy for four years on the cheap and then you have that fifth-year option that you want to pick up too that would most likely be cheaper than what he would get on a contract extension. Um, So that's my preferred route. Build the team through the draft and especially looking at how many wide receivers are coming out of the draft every single year that are kind of slam dunks that are kind of good for teams. I would most certainly prefer the giants to go down that route, or if they want to eventually trade for a wide receiver, let's form up this roster a little bit more and not, you know, mortgage our future away for, you know, getting a player who odds are we have to pay anyway. Like people are mentioning T Higgins, uh, you know, go out and trade for T Higgins since they need to extend Burrow, since the Bengals need to extend uh Burrow, since they need to exp- extend Jamar chase, you have to pay T Higgins and that's the, you know, that's, that's not a downside, but it's just the, uh, it's what you have to do if you trade for a wide receiver. Yeah. I'm, I'm just real quick before I let Josh go. I don't think there's really a player out there either at this current moment or even, you know, project, uh, projected, excuse me, in the off season that kind of fits that AJ Brown, that Steph Diggs, you know, kind of mold. I don't think there's that same kind of situation where a team would be willing to, you know, get rid of a wide receiver like that. And you mentioned T. Higgins. I'm actually not as big of a T. Higgins fan. I don't think he's really a true wide receiver one. I think he's a either a low end wide receiver one or you know like a mid wide receiver one 
uh, or like a really, 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 really good wide receiver too, kind of like what they have in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I don't think, you know, he's a, a true number one. I think the Bengals are going to resign him. I, I think that's there. I don't think they're going to let him go. That'll I be would a party. Imagine. Yeah. Um, I have two things. Number one, this is like perfect with, um, the perfect opportunity to talk about the very little amount of quote unquote draft prep. I started doing this week. I looked into the top tier ends of wide receivers and the only guy that has been projected to be a top 10 pick that I've seen in most mock drafts. And that's like talking about the big boys, like of CBS or PFF or pro football network. If you've heard of them, PFN they're, they're known as sometimes is this guy, Quinn Johnston, who's a junior out of TCU. Uh, He's 21 years old. I've seen him go top 10, sometimes even top five. And that's because he hasn't just had uh, one year of production, but about two pretty good years. Obviously, this year being the more productive, but out of like all of the prospects, which most of them being their most recent year is the biggest one, he had, it wasn't that much, but in 2021, he had 634 yards and six touchdowns. And this year, it's probably been like over a thousand on the season. Um, I'm waiting until the last bowl game until, uh, you know, I, I take his stats for uh, his final stats of the season. After that, it's kind of like, you know, you flip a coin. I know a guy the past couple years that has been up in the air too is Jackson Smith and Jigba from the Ohio State University. He's not even playing in the playoff, which I find very interesting because last year dominated. This year, he's uh, been struggling with injury. I forget the exact injury that it's been, um, but he has been struggling with an injury. And I get it. He wants to sit out for the the playoff to, you know, cause he's, he's already declared for the draft, but it's like, don't you want to show how good you can be against these hugely good opponents in the playoff and just gets more eyes on your name. But anyway, so what I, what I'm going at is I don't know if there is that guy, if we're waiting and we're keeping this 20 something pick that the giants could take um, in this NFL draft. That is that huge Number one guy. Um, I mean, you got to think about it, though, right? Justin Jefferson, no one saw him be. Everyone saw him as a slot guy coming out of the draft, and he went 20, what, 24th overall? Well, the overall. only reason I'm talking about it is because this is where I feel somewhat I am informed about it. That's, yeah, that's I, the only reason that, I'm yeah. bringing it up. And then the other, the only other thing is I was going to say is um, my second thing is I don't think the Giants can even try and be a Super Bowl contender, let alone trade for a wide receiver when they still have – um, this contract that is hurting the cap room, like a little child hanging on the shoulders of his father and he's going to get cut though, pulling the father down <laughs> by his shoulders. And that is who I think you both know I'm talking about Kenny Galladay, who's eating up. He's gone. 74. I just want to remind you guys four 72. years, $72 million is what the giant signed Kenny Galladay for to right now, this season, not even play a majority of the snaps in a football game. He is playing what? 20% or less. He played one snap. He played one snap last game, right? I think so. Yeah, he played one $72 million. But anyway, like they cannot, we're talking about trading for a wide receiver. If this guy is still on our roster, we're paying him. There's no, there's no way we can even try and go for a playoff run. He's he's gone. He's out of here. Anyway, honestly, I think to be honest, I, I'm a little surprised they haven't given Kenny Galladay more of a chance. Considering our wide receiver situation, I get he's not playing well, but he can't be much worse than the guys we have out there. That just goes to the point again. If he's not their guy, if if this regime doesn't want to work with you, they will not work with you. If if they 
for whatever reason, I don't know if it's attitude. I, I mean, he did look slow. I will say, I mean, during camp, we were talking he about He looks terrible. Theory. He looks terrible. He just looks slow. I mean, and Kenny Galladay was never going to burn you with speed, but I mean, just no release at the line. No. no uh, anyway, we all, he's bad. We all, I, I we get it. But you'd expect him to play more than one snap a game. Like, come yeah, on. We don't, we don't need to break down Kenny Galladay. I'm yeah. all right. <laughs> I'd no rather break review? down Isaiah Hodgins than I. I would yeah. break down Isaiah Hodgins ninety nine times out of a hundred than I break down Kenny Galladay. Isaiah Hodgins is a uh, is we th- who's who we who's who we thought Kenny Galladay would be. Some say, <laughs> even though that's that. not true. But <laughs> I thought Kenny Galladay would be kind of like what T Higgins is doing right now in terms of that kind of build. I thought Kenny Galladay would be Kenny Galladay. Like yeah, exactly. we don't we don't need to compare. It's Kenny Galladay was a good football player. For the Detroit Lions. And, I, I mean, I have a newsflash, too. He was a good football player through the first four games of last year, too. It's just that he wasn't getting the contested catch opportunities. Kenny Galladay had, like, an 85% catch rate through the first four games last year. That includes, I think he had over a 100-yard game against New Orleans last year. Yeah, remember that game. Remember that play where he breaks a tackle and he runs He was running some people over. I, I remember there was a play against, like, Atlanta where he ran somebody over and he got yards after the catch. You know, we were like, oh, we're waiting for that big Kenny Galladay play. But Kenny Galladay did the first four games last year. Yeah, not maybe not alpha wide receiver one, but that's when Jason Garrett was play caller. Um, so I don't know what went wrong, man. I, I really don't know what went wrong. Um, all I know is that he's not going to be here next year. And, you know, the Giants have to have to upgrade. But I mean, we're not we're not at this point, though, uh, you know, at, from a roster standpoint, we're not at this point, though, where I mean, a lot of fans are going to feel like this, but. If the Giants want to take, like I said, a Mike linebacker, if the Giants want to take, uh, you know, what's another position that's weak? You know, interior offensive line. Hard, yeah. If if the Giants want to take, you know, a, another position, let's just say in the first round, um, I, I'm not going to be, if it makes sense for the Giants, if we like the player, if it makes sense and, and if he fits, I'm not going to maybe lose my mind since there's still a lot of other pieces that need to be built um, up in this roster and around this roster right now. I keep hearing people say like this is kind of like the Eagles last year where they had, you know, a good roster, they just didn't have a wide receiver and, you know, their quarterback was developing. I'm like, no, this is a different situation. That Eagles team was a very good team. This Giants team is vastly outperforming what they should be doing. You know, this Giants team in terms of roster is a bottom 5 team in the NFL in terms of the talent they have. It I personally, I think. I mean, do you do you agree with that or you disagree? Yeah, I mean, just look at how many guys that are on the roster that were not on the roster when fifty-three man cutdowns cutdown days came. Starters Nick McLeod, too. <laughs> Nick Nick McLeod, you know, I, I don't want to. I'm good. We're going to forget some, but Nick McLeod was a post fifty-three man cutdown day acquisition. Uh, Henry Mundo was like a practice squad guy who was not on the team during the summer. He's a starter. Ryder Anderson was an undrafted free agent out of Indiana. Um, he is now just signed to the 53-man roster. Um, uh, Jason Pennock was a guy that they claimed after 53-man cutdown. Uh, uh, Fabian Moreau was a guy post-53-man cutdown day. Tyree Phillips, who filled in for uh, Evan Neal, 53-man cutdown day. Isaiah Hodgins, uh, R- Richie James was a was like a practice squad a special teams guy for the 49ers. So, I mean, the, you're, you're right. Like you can, I'm I mean, forgetting to, probably Tomon Fox. I mean, undrafted Mon free agent. he's play, he's playing a huge amount of snaps, like up, yeah. up to 40% some games. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you mentioned it, this uh, Jalen Smith was a f- post 53 man cut down 
um, you know, a- acquisition the Giants made because Austin Calidro didn't work. So, <laughs> you know, this this roster is not. I'm not going to say that it's not good because I, you know, I just don't want to totally dismiss that. You know, you obviously you have great coaching going on, but these players are executing to an extent too. But it just needs it needs more rounding out, like 100. It just needs to be rounded out a lot more. Alex, you want to go to the 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 Dable one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I'd, I'd say I kind of wrote this question down. I think I, you you mentioned it when I mentioned it to you earlier. Besides winning, what do you think is the biggest improvement that Brian Dable and Joe Shane have kind of brought to the Giants in compared to and co- compared to the last regime? Maybe something that people aren't thinking about. Um, I I would I, I'll tell you one thing that I was disappointed that they haven't fixed actually that hasn't improved is the medical staff. I feel like there's an underlying issue there that has not been fixed. Um, and I don't know what's going on there, but that just like came to my mind. Do you have anything that they have improved on? Well, but I mean that the medical staff's a great point because Joe Shane, I think he talked about that during his introductory presser. Yeah. I, I don't, it was one of his first few pressers where Joe Shane mentioned the fact that the giants were struggling with injuries so much. Like they, they mentioned that over and over and over again. And, you know, I, it got to a point where we were in training camp. Training camp was still the worst time of the year where we were struggling with all these injuries. I mean, you could say that they struggled with injuries during the season, but training camp, it was every practice. I'm like, stop, like, please just stop. Either stop practicing or just stop getting hurt. Um, it was every day somebody else was going down. And I asked Dan Duggan, I'm like, what do you know if Joe Shane has done anything to improve this? Has there been any changes made to the strength staff, the medical staff, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, you know, the, he, he didn't know. And, and basically the the, pre- the moral of the story was no. Uh, and, and I even think during the bye week, Joe Shane was asked about it. Um, and I can't even remember the answer because I don't even know if he even gave an answer on what, what has improved or what he has improved. So that is a good, solid critique. Because Joe Shane said that I'm going to look into that. We're going to find an answer to it. And as of now, he has not. And it's even been a lot of it's it, the, this hasn't been Gettleman, Gettleman's guys that have been getting hurt. Uh, a lot of them and a lot of these guys have been Joe Shane guys, too. You know, guys coming from out of from outside the building. So, all right. Um, I will say I think we're seeing the value positive, right? This is what, you know, what we haven't seen the last few years or, or at least in a very long time since Tom Coughlin. We haven't seen coaching and the communication with the front office and how those two things are feeding off of each other, where coaching is giving reports and they're giving feedback to the front office on types of guys to bring in. And especially we just named all of those guys who are UDFAs and we just named all those guys who were post 53 man cut down day acquisitions. And I think that is front office and coaching working very well together on what kinds of players should we be bringing in that fits what we're trying to do here. You know, Isaiah Hodgins, Henry Mundo, um, Fabian Moreau, that rhymes, all those guys, you know, kind of coming in here and they're doing all right. And they're doing a solid job when, oh man, if, if if those acquisitions and those moves had to be made with any of the coaching staffs over the last few years, I mean, this team would be even more lost than it was, especially towards the latter second half of last year. So, and that was really, really bad. So, um, that is really the biggest 
strength. What we have going for right now is I think the communication between Joe Shane and his staff, and then also how they listen and how the coaching staff communicates what they need to the front office. Because without that communication, I don't think the moves that they have made to try and patch up the roster and just get through the season, it's not going, the season's not going as well if they don't have that good communication. All right. And um, so what we do at the end of our preview episodes is we do our picks, uh, our players to watch, and then our score predictions. And Justin, um, we were wondering if you could kind of join us for this final segment, if that's cool with you. I would love that. All right. So let's do it. So we give our player to watch on each side. Um, and I guess I can start, Alex, if that's cool with you. Do, do I get permission? Yes, all good. Okay. So I'm going to go my Vikings player to watch first. And um, my streak on this, um, I guess, on this podcast is I do the blatant obvious because that is just how I roll. So with that being said, it is, yep, Justin Jefferson leads the NFL in receiving yards. And literally my one question that I have, can the secondary let up any resistance whatsoever? Can they stop him in any way from getting, whether it's a 10-yard you know, route for a catch and a first down and a completion? Can they stop him? you know, and knock a ball down for a 56-yard touchdown? Can they stop him from 100-yard day receiving? That's what I want to know. That's the question I ask. My player to watch for the Vikings. My player to watch for the Giants, Dexter Lawrence. I was either thinking him or Kayvon because Kayvon had the, you know, the really big game, the fumble recovery. I thought I thought that was too basic, and that's even too basic for me, and I'm a really basic guy with my players to watch. But I want to go uh, with Dexter Lawrence, and I want to see if he can – you know, sack cousins a little bit, get them roughed up, get them nervous in the pocket. Cause that's, I think a way to win this game, a way to win this game is to get Kirk cousins throwing those interceptions that we saw him throw, by the way, this last week on the Saturday game. Um, yeah, I know the comeback. I, I do know how that yeah. second half went, but it's not like cousins doesn't throw picks because we saw it. Yeah. And also backup center. He's going against uh Bradbury for uh, the Vikings. Their starting center is out. So he's going to be uh, feasting on that matchup for sure. So we'll see how he does. Yeah. And the um, interior O line for the Vikings uh, wasn't fantastic to start. And then you include they're bad, uh, yeah. the, the backup center in there. And then also, you know, Brian O'Neill and Christian Darisaw, uh, one of the best tackle combos uh, in the NFL right now. So uh, my, my expectations for Aziz and Kayvon are, uh, they're not super high. I still kind of want them to feast and kind of have some solid days. But mm -hmm. this is a game where we need fully expect Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams to kind of show up in this game. So um, I'm with you for uh, your giant player to watch. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I think here for the Vikings, I think the Giants are going to end up doubling Justin Jefferson a large amount of the time. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have to go to other options. And that's going to leave them, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one with Adam Thielen. Um, but even more, I think, explosive uh, in the passing game, at least as of late, is K.J. Osborne for the Vikings. He's been a really, really good receiver. I think he's actually really, really underrated um, because he's playing behind those two guys. And Kirk Cousins has said he's going to get him more involved uh, as the season goes along. And I think going up against, you know, God knows who is going to be playing corner, uh, Nick McLeod, uh, your local DoorDash driver, I don't know who it's going to be, um, but... <laughs> Not, or your, I'm not calling Nick McLeod a local DoorDash driver. I'm saying you know what's or funny? your local DoorDash driver. You know what's yes. funny? Uh, Wink, Wink Martindale said over, said over the summer, you can't get your corners from DoorDash. So that's why that line is actually very, very funny. But I I didn't even know that. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like in, I'm in sync with Wink. Um, yeah, that rhymes too. 
And then for the Giants, I think this is going to end up having to be the, the you're not going to be able to hold this Vikings offense to, you know, less than 20 points. I think the Giants are going to have to score some points uh, if they want to win this game. And I think Daniel Jones is going to be the guy. Uh, I know this is the most basic. I know Josh is so proud yeah. of me right now, yeah. but I think Daniel Jones is going to have to sling it. If you're saying you're it. saying the quarterback is important. I'm saying the quarterback is important, but I think, hey, listen, last week was the quarterback that important. Not really. Not too important last week. Hey, you Did know he what? I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. He made on a that. few good throws. I, I will give you that. Yeah, that's true. That that eighteen play drive, every single play was Daniel that's Jones, true. and that was and that was the only offensive touchdown that we that we scored true. in that game. So true. I mean, really, you know, to to you know, kind of maybe transition us from that game to to this game. I we we've been asking this for weeks, where we kind of want the training wheels lifted on the offense a little bit, and they started to do it. A little bit against Washington, where giving the tools for Daniel Jones to be success is by letting him throw on early downs. Just running Saquon Barkley on first down, second down, and kind of getting behind the sticks and having these third and longs. It it's not the Giants were kind of living, living and dying off that for a good portion of the year, even when the running game is good. You're not gonna get five, six yards every single time you you run the ball in the NFL. Um, so the, you know, remember there was a stretch of, of weeks early, you know, kind of earlier in the year where, wow, Daniel Jones converted like five third and 14s in a game, <laughs> you know, that that's not, that's not a sustainable way to be successful. So they started, yeah. uh, they really started throwing the ball on early downs against Washington, utilizing the quick and intermediate passing game, which they should be doing against the Vikings that play a lot of too high, but the Vikings are the worst pass defense in the NFL, at least yards wise. Um, and they do allow some big plays. So even though they play too high, the Giants should become a little bit more balanced of, I would like to see maybe two, three Darius Slayton deep attempts this game. I know when we get one or two and it's a big gasp every time, but we should see maybe even Isaiah Hodgins targeted past the sticks a little bit too. I'm not even asking to air it out to Isaiah Hodgins, but you got to keep this Vikings pass defense balanced because I think there's going to be some opportunities uh, for some somewhat decent big plays for this Giants passing offense. And that's going to bring me to my giant player to watch for. How about that? Daniel Mm. Bellinger. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You're all good. Love that. Love that transition. I should have just stuck with it. Um, Stick the landing. I'm going to stick the landing with Daniel Bellinger. He is my offensive player to watch for. I felt in that Jacksonville game where he got his eye poked out. In that Jacksonville game, I thought that he was starting to get involved in like a conventional passing game a little bit where he was actually being targeted past the line of scrimmage. Anytime that Daniel Bellinger is targeted this year, I feel like 90% of the time, it's just he's getting a dump off at the line of scrimmage. It's a play action rollout. Um, where he's just running like a a little quick little button hook and he's turning around and he's a check down option for Daniel Jones. I kind of want Daniel Bellinger, even if he's still a check down option for Daniel Jones, have him in the middle of the field, have him running a little bit of a route that's maybe somewhat near the sticks. So I want Daniel Bellinger to be involved in the passing game a little bit more. We saw that there was one attempt that he dropped last week and it was like, whoa, Daniel Bellinger was somewhat targeted like, past the line of scrimmage and that was like a wow look at Daniel Bellinger bad that he dropped it but I kind of want them to keep going back to him because this Giants offense does not have diverse ways to move the ball hopefully Daniel Bellinger can help out in that regard and then my Vikings player to watch out for is uh, Zadarius Smith I think Zadarius Smith um, who has 10 sacks on the area has 21 QB hits he's having a really really good year I think he's going to be lining up against Evan Neal they seem to line up Zadarius Smith on you know whatever spot is weakest on 
an opposing team, and that spot right now is the right side of the offensive line with Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal. So, Evan Neal, buckle up, buddy. You got one of the best pass rushers coming at you this Saturday. Okay. I'll, uh, Alex, I didn't know if you were going to take the lead. I'll do a score prediction. Uh, that's the next part of this part, well, two of two. And last week, I want to make it clear. I said the Giants were going to lose. I had a commander's win. I know, I know. I, I just saw that look from you, Justin. It's don't hey. worry. I picked the Giants. I picked the Giants. I got. <laughs> it was at a low point, you know. And mm. not as a Giants podcaster, not every game can be a Giants predicted win. Okay, Josh, so, he's, gonna emot- be he's an emotional predictor. I think that's how Josh is. He, so, he's very emotional based off the previous game. Let's see if this <laughs> transition of the Giants proving me wrong can go two weeks. Yes, thirty yes. seventeen Vikings. We'll see. What? What? I don't know. I know, right? The Did you not just see the Minnesota Vikings last week pull the greatest comeback of all time? Biggest. I wouldn't say greatest. Biggest. I mean, it could have been both, honestly. Oh, well, you talk Tom Brady Super Bowl, I guess? Yeah, I think Okay, fine. That has to biggest. be the greatest. Largest biggest. comeback points-wise in an NFL game ever. Against Jeff Saturday's Colts, but yes. Uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll say my prediction is go Giants. Okay. Anyway, I think, I think it's going to be close. I think the Giants are going to score the most points they've scored all season. I think they're going to wow. score, tw- they're going to score 26 points. I think that's the most they scored all season. I believe. Wow. But I think you, they're you, gonna- you can't give us 30. No, I don't think we're getting 30, but oh, I do think on. the Vikings will get 30. Unfortunately, I do. Oh, think we're tough. Gonna lose this game. Yeah. I'm going 30, 26, but I'm, I think it's going to be close. I just don't think the Giants have the, the guns on offense, you know? My brain. Do you, do you predict the Giants to win every week? I'm actually curious. No, you don't. Me? Actually. Yeah, you don't predict the Giants to win. You no, Bob, Bobby's, the a, Bobby's a 77 to 0 predictor every week. Yeah. I do not subscribe to that. But this game, I have a brain and a heart situation happening. Mm. My brain tells me one thing. My heart is saying something else. And sometimes it's a battle to see who's going to win. Guess what? Your heart. The won. heart's going to win. <laughs> the heart's going to win. Weird final score, 23 to 22. How will that happen? I don't know. Find out. Interesting score prediction. Low scoring <laughs> game. The Viking. I swear the Vikings haven't uh. scored... What's the like least the Vikings? The over under the over under for this game is forty eight. So that would be slightly Whoa. under. My twenty three twenty two would be forty five. Quick math and, and Vikings are still favored four and a half, five and a half. No, they're no no they're favored by four. four. And you want to know this yeah. is this is what has me. The only reason why I think the Giants win this game is because of Vegas. The Giants <laughs> were the Giants were plus. We're plus four and a half last weekend in Washington. They're plus four on Saturday. Why? Why? Jeff why Saturday are the Giants? <laughs> why are the Giants? Fa- like, why were the Giants more underdogs, heavier underdogs against the Commanders? Vegas than always the, knows. Than the second seed Vikings. I think there's something going on, fellas. I think there's something that they know that we don't. Conspiracy theories take with. Justin, that was a So, yeah. are we saying bet the over? Oh no, no, never bet the over in a Giants game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no. 
I was testing you. I was testing you. I had to make sure the reflexes were still working. No, I mean, unless if if Minnesota scores 30, then yeah, bet the over. But (laughs) um, no, they're not going to. And the Giants are going to win the game. The the Giants, the only way the Giants are going to win this game, um, they do have to score points if they, they can't. They can't not score only one offensive touchdown like they did against the Commanders last week. Um, but the only way the Giants are going to score is if they can kind of keep up with them a little bit. Yeah. But I'm still saying under 48. Got to get to a fa- get off to a fast start too. Got it. You can't go into halftime with three points. <laughs> no. All right. Um, well, Justin, we thank you so much once again for coming on to the podcast. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Justin Penick. It's also going to be in the podcast description. I'm not going to go on the whole thing about, you know, like with us and stuff besides like the normal subscribe on our podcast, Spotify thing. Um, and then all the rest of the places to help support us will also be in the podcast. No, surprise, surprise. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening to this. Oh, wait, I'm taking Alex's part. Alex. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Thank you again to Justin for coming on, and we'll see you next time, hopefully after a Giants win. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.